Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I am Monty M. Larrick, and this is David E. Smith. Yellow. The executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We are joined by one Benjamin Smith. That's right. Producer extraordinaire. Benjamin uh, D. Smith. Benjamin D. Okay. Uh, does that stand for David? Yes. After my dad. Ah. Well, the odds. Go figure, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, during this edition, uh, we're going to kind of take a look back at the year. What a year. And the look uh, forward as well. And, uh, boy, COVID uh, kind of threw a monkey wrench in our plans at IFI. Yes, it uh, totally derailed a lot of things, Uh, not only uh, events that we were planning and hoping to attend or host, uh, including our annual fall banquet, but it also took the uh, Illinois General Assembly offline, which um, I guess is a silver lining behind the cloud here, the COVID cloud, because, uh, you know, they weren't meeting. Therefore, they didn't pass any of the terrible bills that were being proposed uh, during the second half of this uh, General Assembly session, which is, by the way, uh, General Assembly number 101 will be coming to an end in early January, and General Assembly number 102 will begin. Well, will Dems continue to have Mike Madigan (laughs) as their speaker, as their leader in the Illinois House. And so that's one of the big news stories of the year is uh, Michael Madigan's uh, closest confidence are going down like... uh, like COVID-stricken flies. <laughs> There's a circle around him. That's right. They're going down. Uh, the FBI is closing in, and um, rumor is uh, he is official A. I guess, is that the official yeah. say? You know, it's been acknowledged he is official A in the FBI's investigation. But will that investigation continue with a Biden Justice Department? Well, it should, and it has to. But um, the question is, will he be the House Speaker? There is an internal revolt against the supermajority Democrats in the Illinois House. um, And he doesn't have the support of, I think, 19 liberal Democrats. He does, however, have the support of the majority of the Black Caucus Democrats. So, But he still— because they recognize his power and they want uh, his and blessings. Has, and he his, has campaign cash to give and, out. And he has a ton of cash. That's true, Monty. Yes. Yeah. Cash is king, as they say. Yeah. I, I just would not bet against Michael Madigan coming through this. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But it'll be interesting. If I was a betting man. <laughs> yeah. 40, 40 plus years, right? 40 yeah. plus years. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned at the outset, we have one David, uh, or Benjamin David Smith here. <laughs> I like to call him Comrade Ben. <laughs> here in Socialist at Illinois. But, uh, boy, uh, a, a change for Ben here, because not only does he help us with tech work, like, Ben, what do you mean by that email stuff? Uh, <laughs> he helps me with that. But he's a student at none other than... The University of Southern California. Oh, my goodness. 
How did this happen? I, I said, went you. from Illinois to California. Uh, Chicago wasn't bad enough. He had to go out to L.A. <laughs> right? A bastion of conservatism, <laughs> of right? Of course, yes. <laughs> well, you're doing online instruction, right? Right. Uh, L.A.'s yeah. liberal, so they're not opening up yet. Does, um, all, does all of that liberalism flow through the Zoom and all that? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, every way, every way they can. That's right. So, so Ben is a second-year college student, right? He yep. had a little experience at a local community college. Yep, Prairie State. And uh, he was uh, accepted at USC and their engineering program, and I understand they're number 10 in the nation, right, Ben? Well, yes, in, for engineering generally. For engineering. Yes. Yes. That's what, yeah. yeah. There's so school that's of what you're going for. Yes. yes. So. He didn't get his math skills from me, Monty. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, you, you, you've come from this nice, conservative Christian home, and now you're exposed to big leftist California. Well, right. That's one of the <laughs> that's one of the things I'm grateful for. Um, I was raised uh, with a biblical foundation. I was raised in the Word of God. Um, I was. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for uh, for all that God has blessed me with here in, in the state and with this family. Um, I've you were homeschooled, right? I was, <laughs> I was homeschooled. I was sheltered a little bit from the onslaught, but taught to um, sheltered. Ben, <laughs> I was taught to filter it. I was taught to filter it. Amen. I was I wasn't Amen. directly exposed to it. Yeah. I was taught to filter it through the Word of God, which is um, defining my outlook and my worldview and the way I interact with professors and, and fellow students. Um, so I feel like I'm more prepared to take on the behemoth. Wow. Of modern education. Yeah, so Ben is the oldest of eight. He's 20 years old. So one of the benefits of doing this job, Monty, is, you know, the director of Illinois Family and Illinois Family Action and being a homeschool father is that I can bring my kids with me to a, a bunch of these events and expose them to great speakers and activists and, um, you know, people who know uh, their stuff left and right policy wonks if you sure. will yeah. and, um, and and so and Ben has been a great asset oh yeah. at these events yes yes and and so it's it's been a blessing um, not only for his to help us but also to learn along the way uh, all this stuff and 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 I'm very grateful to uh, a lot of the speakers and the events and the people that we've brought in that Ben and his brothers and sisters have been exposed to. And believe me, they have their own independent thinking now, um, <laughs> much to my chagrin sometimes, you know. It's good. They have their own perspective and outlook. I'm interested. Uh, what kind of feedback do you get from your professors and some of your classmates? They Are they wise to where you're coming from, or well, do they just think you're a liberal too? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Right. I'm pretty explicit. Um <laughs> He's not shy. So, no, um, I don't think I've had any overtly Christian professor um, in my whole academic career. Um, but I know that they've that every professor I've had has respected me um, and has told me that. You know, I'm not to trying to brag or anything, but they've told me that they've enjoyed having me in class. Um, and I'm not one to just parrot their their talking points. Um, I shared the gospel a couple times in, in a couple classes. Um, and corrected uh, <laughs> gently professors who did not understand the Christian doctrines, um, you know, basic Christian so, doctrines. So in other words, like one time you were, you were giving a speech on why abortion is wrong. Yes. And you, you had to stick with that even though you knew there were some— um, The whole class. 
What's nearly that? the whole class. I think there was, was one student. against you, right? Right. right. Um, there was. <laughs> but you stood my, your ground. Yeah, there was one class. This was a, wasn't at USC, but um, I was looked at as like the resident Christian in the class, <laughs> and the professor would call on me. <laughs> the token Christian. Because <laughs> we were reading screw tape letters, and he would call on me for. Um, an explanation, you know, what does this mean, or what, what does the Christian think Your of this? Your insights. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, I haven't been shy about it at all. Well, Dad's got to be proud. Yeah, that's awesome. And in fact, that one professor that you were reading, C.S. Lewis, said, I have got to go back and read more of his stuff. Right. Right? Because he, he read, what, the Narnia series? He, read the, he said he read the Narnia series as a kid, and then... He was looking for more of it, but he found some of his theological work. He's like, yuck, I don't want to read this. <laughs> um, but now he's he read Screwtape Letters. And, um, he's and that learned... was because of your suggestion, right, in the class? Well, it was um, another Christian student in the class recommended we read that book. And the whole class was interested um, in reading it. So it was a good experience for the class. And we were able to share the gospel and have... Um, discussions on faith and sin and, and all of that. And you even took a field trip. Right. Um, we took a field trip out to Northwestern uh, to hear Max McLean, um, the most reluctant convert. He was sharing um, C.S. Lewis's biography, and that was an interesting experience for the whole class. It was, right. It was great. I got to think that, you know, this is part of God's master plan to put Ben in that class. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Totally agree, Monty. Yeah. No, no, planting seeds or putting, putting pebbles up, in, right. in shoes, right? Just uh, dropping a pebble in their shoe. Right? right, drop a pebble in their shoe and make them think about it, yeah. and irritate them. <laughs> planting the seeds of rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so one of the things that we'd love to have Ben's insights are, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing, as a young Christian uh, man coming up uh, and, and being surrounded by other uh, young people people, not necessarily Christian, right? Um, what's your thoughts on, on the COVID-19 lockdown and and um, what's going on with this recent election and the future? Well, how does it look to you? I want to get your perspective on that and also maybe from some of your classmates that you've talked to, too. Right. Yeah. So my perspective, I probably share the perspectives here um that you know it initially it seemed we, we had no idea what the virus was right. um we, we didn't know how deadly it was we didn't know how it spread and all of that um so the lockdown measures the the um the preventative measures were warranted um now as we have the data we have the experience of a whole year with this thing now we have treatments and we're right. pretty doggone good with it and we have we know that it's a ninety nine point nine seven percent survival rate for most people. Say it again, a little slower. Ninety nine point nine seven percent. You have point three percent, point oh three. Right, and that's um, for people under fifty or under sixty, right? Yeah, I think so. That's right. Well, that's close to one hundred percent. Right, it's better than the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, I went to public vaccine. schools in Chicago. I'm not sure what that is, but anyway, no. <laughs> now it just seems to be a power grab. Um, that this this the, the mask measures are pretty pointless. I mean, they've equivocated back and forth on this. Um, the The lockdown measures have proven to be actually spread the virus more than the than states that have opened. Um, so I think it's all pointless. But I know that my um, peers um, drink up the, the media's um, yeah. propaganda and right. they believe every single word. The fear-mongering is what I would call it. Yeah, yes. They believe every single word. They think the New York Times is actually a credible um, <laughs> source. They think the New York Times, the Washington Post, yeah. They, they, they CNN, can't see through it. Right. MSNBC, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. You know, um, 
here's the interesting thing. And uh, with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people are homeschooling. Maybe not our definition of uh, homeschooling, but you went through homeschooling. Yes. And, boy, the benefits. Here you are in USC. Dave, Ben, we can really see that uh, maybe homeschooling is not just a pandemic thing for a lot of people. Oh, gosh, I hope it isn't. Yeah. I, I hope people would seriously take this opportunity to reevaluate what they're doing. Um, our public schools in general are failing academically, okay, doing their job of teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic, okay. In general, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Secondly, our kids are being influenced with um, anti-biblical uh, narratives and social agendas that are corrupting them. Third, their physical safety is oftentimes at risk in these public schools, in these government schools. Um, and I can go into more details on that, but, you know, there's so many good reasons not to have your children in government schools. And instead, look at what the Bible says. Our job is to teach our children. And yes, you know, for example, Ben and his brothers and sisters were um, went to a piano teacher because his mom and I uh, couldn't teach piano. We didn't know music. We didn't know how to read music. We didn't know how to teach him to play piano. However, we farmed that out to someone who was an expert, and they became very good at it. Um, and you didn't have to pay them seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. We certainly didn't. No. <laughs> okay. Proverbs so, twenty-two six says, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it." The importance of raising your kids um, with the foundation of the scriptures is stressed over and over in the Word of God. That's right. Um, and it is something that Christian parents should uh, prioritize. And farming that out to public schools or even private, some private schools. Um, you're abdicating your own duty. And yeah. I know I'm not a parent yet, but no, 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 no. I, no, I'm so glad to hear you say it that passionately. So here's the thing, Ben, is um, the number one of the number one reasons we, okay, initially it was academics. We wanted to do homeschooling, but it became clear to us this is an opportunity to teach biblical character to our children. Biblical character. Guess what? Government schools can't do that, won't do that. They, they, don't, have they, don't, the they don't have the moral ground to teach character and what they're doing is undermining right well dave I, I don't know what's happened with this legislation given the pandemic and all the uh in-home learning but back in july the gay history yes mandate that's went right. into effect in our public schools that's right where is that right now well it's being implemented um various ways curriculum is being developed supplementals are being developed in order to teach LGBT history um, in a positive way in our schools. This is just yet one more uh, um, opportunity for the left to inject politics into the classroom because it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter that Sally Ride was a lesbian. She was a female astronaut. That's all that needs to be known. We don't need to know about her sexuality. Accomplished astronaut. She was an accomplished astronaut. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then there's 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 all kinds of dubious other things. There's one book out there, Monty, you're a history buff. You know this, that uh, suggests that Abraham Lincoln, because he slept with another man on a cold night in a log cabin, was gay. Well, yeah, they... 
back in those days, there weren't a lot of hotels. So right. the, the, the local tavern might have a couple rooms. Well, it didn't have beds for everybody, and you had to share beds. And body heat yeah, was no. kind of important on a freezing night. No, I don't think they were snuggling. No. But, <laughs> but, but, but this is, you see, a lot of people don't know this. The log cabin Republicans, uh, this is where they come from. Yeah. This is their narrative. Yeah. So uh, it, it's important that yeah. we understand that, and this is what they're trying to do. Yeah. You say, hey, this is normal. This is acceptable. Even a hero like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I, you know, if we're going to go down that route, I've said this before. If you're equating achievement on with sexuality, well, why don't you say Abraham Lincoln, who signed the Emancipation Proclamation, was a heterosexual. Right. You know. No, because that doesn't fit their it narratives. D- it doesn't matter. Right, right, Okay. Be consistent. Well, the legislature, when they go back in session, uh, who knows when that might be, has this critical race theory legislation that would be right. in our classrooms. Right. So uh, LaShawn Ford from Oak Park has introduced legislation to mandate uh, critical race training, cri- critical race theory training among students not students i'm sorry the teachers and of course once they do that it'll filter down are they going to teach it as theory though right no no of course not no but it's it's even worse than that not only is there legislation proposed but the um, illinois state board of elections is already proposed to adopt it and so they're waiting on jcar which is the joint uh committee on regulations um to approve it and therefore, they're, 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 they're actually, Monty, in Chicago, they're already teaching the 1619 Project. And if you haven't read about the 1619 Project, you need to look it up on our website because um, this is a project of the New York Times, of the aforementioned uh, New York Times, who are trying to teach that America didn't start in 1776. It started in 1619 when the, the uh, first wave of slaves came to America. And the author has admitted that it's factually incorrect. It's yeah. just a perspective. It's just an opinion. And she won a Pulitzer Prize for it. But do, do we see, Ben, wh- why they're trying to do this? What, what are they doing? They're, they're trying to drive wedges. They're trying to drive wedges. They're trying wedges. to drive wedges between communities um, and, and trying to prevent reconciliation or trying to prevent um, communities from binding. They want to keep dividing people into more and more subgroups. And do you see how this is anti-biblical? Of course. The, the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We're all one under the body of the Lord Jesus. So are you saying, Ben, that the gospel unites us? That's the definition. The, the, the Bible unites us. The New York Times divides us. Right. The New York Times and the news media in general, yes, that's their goal. That's right. They want to divide us. So we are at each other's throat, blaming each other, discontent, grumbling. All those things are called sin. Right? right? The Bible says the devil is the accuser. Exactly. Isn't that interesting? So so the, the, the Chicago Public Schools are already implementing this 1619 project so that they will teach our children to be, can I say this? Racist. To look at everything through a racist lens instead of a biblical worldview lens. That every human being is utterly corrupt and in need of a savior. And without a savior, we shouldn't be surprised at the way they treat their fellow human being. 
All the more reason to get our kids out of the government school system. Oh, my system. gosh, yes. They're being lied to. But, but will they leave home education alone? Will they leave Christian schools alone? No. In fact, there's already rumors that the Biden administration, the so-called incoming uh, fake presidency of Joe Biden. The Harris-Biden administration. Right. Yeah. Um, is going to come in and go after the accreditation first, at least, of Christian schools, especially colleges. Universities, yeah. Yeah. So um, if, if they teach the biblical view on race and gender and sexuality. sexuality. Yep. The whole yep. counsel of God. Right. So, you, you, you know, this, this is what they're going to do. They're coming after us. And we need to stand alone. We need to say, no, we're not going to bow to that idol. Well, we have a strong homeschooling movement here in Illinois, and the state has more or less been hands-off, but... They've made mistakes every every five to ten years. They come around and say, let's regulate in this way or that way, and uh, they learn very quickly that the homeschool the community... check in on you. Yeah, exactly. That the homeschool community will rally and push back, and you don't want to... Awaken a sleeping giant as uh, a big you might block. say. Yes, it, it potential. Yep, absolutely. And, and of course, IFI has worked tirelessly to try to engage and get more cons- Christian conservatives not only voting, right, because they are a, an important voting block, but also getting involved uh, running for office. Well, let's talk about that in a moment. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We will continue our Kind of uh, here and there discussion on what's yeah. happening and what will happen Eclectic right after this. Here we go. Can a president do that? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Ahead of his inauguration, President-elect Joe Biden has been announcing cabinet nominations and policy goals. Last week, he made his most audacious promise yet. In one month, he tweeted, we begin to heal. Now, peace is, of course, a worthwhile, even biblical goal. But politicians often promise things like healing and peace and greatness, things that go well beyond their jurisdiction. The brokenness in the world is in the hearts of humans, not in who sits in the White House. Neither the Messiah nor the Apocalypse will arrive on Air Force One. Only God, through the Holy Spirit, can heal what's really broken in the world, the human heart. Dave Ramsey likes to say there's only one way to find peace. That's by walking daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Of course, God uses his people, including politicians, as conduits of the peace only he offers. So let's commit to that work and let's not put our trust in princes or presidents. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with David Smith, the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We are joined by Comrade Ben. (laughs) Producer Ben. Yeah, our producer and Dave's son. And uh, boy, my tech guy. What would I do without I'm Ben? I'm telling you. <laughs> all the video and, uh, and, and audio that you get, uh, 99% of it is edited and produced by Ben Smith. Yeah. So. I'm just eye candy, and he does the work. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're the pretty voice behind the microphone. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so uh, let, let's talk about um, the potential Biden administration. Yeah. Looks like it may happen. And um, what will that mean for... IFI, churches, uh, faith institutions. Uh, we know 
what perspective they come from. And we talked a little bit about this, about accreditation of schools. But uh, what are some of the broader implications, Dave? Religious liberty. All right, that's the first thing I want to go to. The Supreme Court has kicked back some cases in various courts, state courts in New York, Colorado, for example, uh, where they say you cannot restrict religious assemblies from gathering unequally. You can't do this. Okay, you can't treat it differently than a liquor store, a big box store, whatever it is. Okay, I wish the Supreme Court would make a decisive ruling on this. And, you know, we have a case here in Illinois, Elam Pentecostal Church in Chicago. It's a Romanian church, has a case pending against the city of Chicago, against Illinois and the lockdown rules, which restricted them to only 10 people. Right. And it's a congregation of hundreds. And, and they have a case pending before the Supreme Court. The precedent of locking us down, restricting our assembly, our, our First Amendment rights, has got to be struck down. The precedent has to be struck down. Or else, people like a Joe Biden, a J.P. Pritzker, will continue to go to it as a tool to manipulate, punish, control the, 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 the voting population. Well, here's my concern. So many churches just decided to cave in. They did. Yes, absolutely. And say, well, you're, we're okay with you taking away that uh, freedom that we have. And goodness gracious, we have to stand up. You know, uh, we have people in my church um, that are taking extra precaution. They have the freedom to stay home. They have the freedom to attend online. But those of us who want to gather who aren't concerned about catching the virus um, need to be or, or don't have those um, limitations or those special conditions that make us more vulnerable, right? You know, I don't want to dismiss that. If, if there are people with immune system problems and, and uh, or they're older, then it makes, it makes sense to take those special precautions. The, the healthy shouldn't be quarantined with the sick, Right. plain and simple. I, I, I guess my fear, too, with the Biden administration and all eyes are on Georgia, if the U.S. Senate falls yeah, into right. Democratic hands, right. goodness gracious, what they'll be up to uh, as far as attacking religious freedom and institutions like the Illinois Family Institute. That's right. That's my fear, uh, yeah. that they will be coming after us if uh, the Senate should fall into the leftist uh, Democratic hands. Well... I, I share those concerns, but I also think that uh, Donald Trump, one of the greatest things he's done for us is set up the federal judiciary in a way where uh, we have more conservative constitutional justices and judges on the bench than we have in a long time. And that might be our only check here, Monty, going into uh, four years of uh, a Biden, oh, Biden, <laughs> oh, Biden Harris, yeah, administration. You know, Ben, you you've uh, you've been following this thing in, in Georgia as well. Um, how is it? How would you feel going to the polls again, knowing or suspecting that the vote was uh, tampered with, that there was election fraud, rigged? No, I'd vote regardless, and I would try to be a poll watcher, um, and I wouldn't 
back away if they, you know, trying to kick you out. No, you want to, you need somebody to watch what's going on. You need somebody to make sure that the elections um, have integrity um, and there are no dishonest weights and measures. So if you lived in, in Georgia, you would feel compelled to become a volunteer poll watcher. Yes. I mean, it's not, it's not enough just to vote. That's good to hear. It's not, it's not enough just to vote. Obviously, right? With the, with the evidence of, of fraud or, or tampering, uh, right. Of tampering. There's, it, it's not enough just to vote. And the thing that concerns me, and I know a lot of our conservative friends believe this too, we've got six weeks of early voting. Six weeks in early voting. How in the world do you judge that? You, do you have people, do we have people, who can afford to take time off and watch the early voting uh, for six weeks? No. And then here's the other thing, Monty. I don't know if you know this, but in preparation for this particular election, our General Assembly passed a law that allowed our our uh, board of elections to count ballots up to two weeks after the polls closed. <laughs> so we went from six weeks of early voting what to eight wrong? weeks. Right. Yeah. So six weeks on the front end, two weeks on the back end. Now, who has two weeks to watch vote? Count. That's eight weeks. We can't. We don't have the manpower and the volunteer efforts to watch all that. It gives them plenty of opportunity. Hey, Monty, you know this, right? Sure. So I worked. In the city of Chicago for an alderman uh, when I first got out of college, while I was in college and then afterwards. And I'll tell you this. It's not a secret. They hold back certain precincts in elections to wait to see if there's a deficit they need to overcome. And then at the wee hours of the morning, oh, those precincts are coming in now. Yeah. And they make up the balance of what they need to get over the top. There's a table there, and they're filling in the blanks. Mati, this is exactly what happened with six states, or maybe I should say six or seven or eight cities in swing states. Right. Right? This is exactly what happened. And it's very alarming, and we should not allow it to happen. We need to have, figure out a way to correct this. We need voter IDs. We need only a couple days of early voting. And that's it. If you can't make it, then it's not important to you. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> tough. I know. Yeah, but the Democrats ain't going to go for that. No, they're not. So how do we get around that? How can we make... Uh, we need to take our, our, our argument to the people and persuade the people. You know, in this last election, I saw right after the, um, in the November 3rd election, during all this controversy... Tucker Carlson reported that six out of ten Americans thought something went wrong with the election. Sixty percent of Americans who voted think it was. Yeah, something went wrong. Something, something kosher. So yeah. if they can't trust the electoral system, that's a big problem for any elected officials from here on in. And so we need to take our, our case to the people and demand ballot referendums or something, maybe a constitutional amendment here in Illinois. That we can pass. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to do some legal research on it. You're communicating with his kids at uh, University of Southern California. Are they all that uh, fired up for Joe Biden? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, one one guy in one of my classes was um, enthusiastically for Kanye West. <laughs> just 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 for the hell of it. <laughs> um, the, but they were openly talking about. Uh, voting for Green Party candidates who happen to be more leftist than, yeah, than so that's, modern so that's, Democrats. That concerns me. Right. Um, and like <laughs> Bernie Sanders type people. Precisely. Um, and they were openly saying that we need people who are on the left of modern Democrats. And that's why they want the Green Party um, to become more 
on the popular. left of modern Democrats. Right. Oh my. Most of the students I, I talked with are Marxists, without a doubt. They don't know it, but that's what they are. No, I think some of them know it, yes. Oh, they do? Oh, really? And they're proud of it. And they're proud of it. Oh, yeah. goodness. They don't care. They, they, they don't know their history, and when people ask tough questions, like I did, they kind of dodge them or just say, hey, that's a good question. Never, never come around to, to answering it. Hmm. So do you think some of them are reachable, Ben? Or do you think some of them are just too far gone? Nothing is impossible with God. Right. And see, and and see, I used to be a liberal Democrat, so they're, right. you know, miracles still happen. You know? <laughs> and I, think, I think that needs to be our approach um, with our culture as it is today. It needs to be reformation. Uh, reformation with the gospel as the foundation. I mean, we can't change this on our own. We have no authority to appeal to the people for a fair and honest election. If they want power, they're going to do whatever they want to get it. Yeah. We have to be able to point to the word of God and say, dishonest weights and measures are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. We should have an, uh, an honest election. That's right. That's right. We what, have no authority. We have no moral ground to stand on to make those arguments otherwise. enough to run for president? Right. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> 15, 15 years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, by well then, you know, I, I tell you what, you know, um, reviewing the Abraham Lincoln um, uh, electoral victory um, in, in, what was it, 1960? Not 19. I'm sorry, 1860? <laughs> yeah. um, that was John Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, there were four parties. There were four yeah. major candidates yeah. running at the time. And so, I mean, well, it's not Dems, inconceivable. The apart. Right. It's not inconceivable to see the Dems split apart, right? You've got the left wing with AOC and her squad. And then you've got moderates uh, like Tulsi Gabbard coming forward, right. who are, is starting to make some sense. You know, and mm. then maybe we have some... Um, you Moderate, know, but still pro-abortion. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. What, what I'm saying is... Yeah. It's not inconceivable that we could see four parties in the future here. Sure. And, well, and you, then you uh, talk Democrats. What about Republicans, Dave? Well, libertarians versus, uh, you know, rhinos, establishment types, right. you know. Libertarians, rhinos, Republicans, uh, moderate Democrats, they all are leftists. They're just 20 years late. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're just driving at a slower speed. we got to write that down. <laughs> We got to use that line, Dave. They're, they're on the same road, <laughs> headed in the same direction. They're exactly. just not going as fast. No. Yeah. Right. No. No. That's a good point. But here's the thing: is we certainly would like to arrive later than sooner. We want to give ourselves more time <laughs> to, to preach the gospel and to bring that reformation and bring sure. reformation. Right. Um, but we um, also uh, might be able to win some elections with the plurality of the vote, and I'm talking, you know, 35 to 45 percent of the vote. Uh, in a four-way race, yeah, too. Think, what, right. Lincoln picked up, what, about 40% of the That's vote? That's right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Monty. So, well, what role should Donald Trump play oh, 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 for, oh. in the Republican Party? Well, I've got opinions on that. Well, I, he should be the titular head of the Republican Party. Now, that's a, that's a phrase made famous by Rush Limbaugh. And we should be praying for Rush, by the way, in his sure. fight for cancer, With against cancer. cancer. Right. Um, but... Uh, you know, he could become just to, oh, I would love him to come out and continue to fight for the things he believes in. Uh, maybe even start a news channel, maybe a, a, a news corporation to compete with Fox. Not controlled by big pharma. Don't leave, don't leave Washington, D.C. like Obama did and set up a shadow government like Obama did. You know, I don't know, Monty, how old is the man? In four years, would he want to run again? Would America want him to run again? 
I don't know. Does he want to maintain the same level of stress and, and defend the attacks of the media constantly? But his right. agenda. Uh, he thrives on it, though, I think. Yeah, I think he does. And I think, though, think of this. We need him to hold some of these Republicans' feet to the fire. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And say, no, you're not going to ship American jobs to China. That's right. They're not going to steal our intellectual property. You have to stand up for this. That's right. And, you know... In a way, there are some similarities with Trump's agenda and AOC's agenda, except on social issues. Well, she doesn't want uh, American jobs uh, shipped overseas. Right. Uh, And, you know, these big corporations getting major tax breaks. She was complaining just the other day. They're making boatloads of money, you know? She was complaining just the other day on Twitter um, that, you know, about the stimulus bill that. They did not give nearly enough time to review a 6,000-page bill. They, they were, they're supposed to get 72 <laughs> hours to review it, and they barely got an hour. Yeah, so we got to we, we we pass it to know what's in it. Come right. on, this That's is— famous policy <laughs> we got to take that Evelyn Wood speed reading class. You know, <laughs> right. Zip right through that. Well, Dave, uh, it's kind of been a tough year for IFI and everybody yep. else. We're, you know, yeah, I'm, we're, I'm sure a lot of nonprofits like us are way behind in their annual fundraising efforts. Uh, this year, we weren't able to do a uh, annual banquet because, uh, well, we weren't allowed to gather. And in fact, our favorite places uh, to, to have our, our uh, banquet at the Stone Gate in Hoffman Estate is going through bankruptcy. And that shouldn't be surprising for people to hear because you can't have weddings, you can't have conferences. Right. You're not going to be able to stay in business. Um, but, you know, thank God, and, and, and I mean that in, in in every sense of the word, thank you, Lord, for providing a bunch of great donors who have stepped up and are offering us a two-for-one matching challenge. In other words, tripling the donation. So, so if you give a dollar, yeah. it's the same as three dollars. It's the same as three. They give two. They give two. Yeah. So, um, And if you give a million dollars... We'd reach our goal very quickly. <laughs> In fact, we'd exceed our goal. Our goal is $105,000 in the month of December. And um, it would be a tremendous blessing if uh, the listeners here would consider, you know, even $25 turns into $75. Even, you know, $100 turns into $300. You know, that really helps us, sets us up in 2021 going forward so we know that we can continue to operate try to lobby, and try to get the word out in, um, in, in the culture here. You know, post-pandemic uh, and post-Pritzker uh, orders. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, we have some plans. We, we, we'd like to hold some uh, worldview conference. Worldview conference. I, I would really like to do a worldview conference on critical race theory. I would really like to invite Dr. Erwin Lutzer to come speak uh, his new, new book. book yeah. Yep. Um, and and you know, the man has a heart for the culture and what's going on, and and he's got a lot of wisdom. The, uh, he, uh, he was uh, pastor at Moody Church for thirty plus years. He um, he has a lot of God given wisdom, and um, we need to have him come out and speak to us. And and what's then there's new book. We will not be silenced by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. And in fact, we have a special going on right now that uh, if you give $35 or more to the ministry of IFI here, uh, we will send you this book at no cost. It will be a thank you. What a book for a time like this. It is. And of course, he is very uh, encouraging. 
you know, his perspective is heavenly. And, uh, you know, we can't take our eyes off of that. The fact that the king is still on the throne, uh, you know, Donald Trump is not king. Joe Biden is not king. Jesus is king. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, David Smith and Benjamin Smith. Thank you, folks, for uh, tuning in and supporting the work at the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. If you'd like to make a donation, you can uh, go online, go to IllinoisFamily.org, and you can click to give or hit Matching Challenge. That's right. And you can also give us a call at 708-781-9328. Do tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.